Hey there, welcome to Board Game Hot Takes. My name's Tim. And this is Chris. This is Adam. And today we're going to be talking about our top five favorite board games that have great climaxes. We're continuing our series of board games as stories, where we're looking at the different elements that you would typically find in a story and finding which board games do those elements well. Four weeks ago, we did top five openings. Two weeks ago, we did top five buildups. And this week, we're going to be talking about what comes at the end of the, the buildup, that climax, the big exciting moments in the game. Before we get into that, just a little bit of business to take care of. Number one, I'm going to be at Board Game Geek Con, BGG Con in Dallas. That's uh, running November 15th through 19th. I will be there. If you're there, stop by and say hi to me. I'll be wearing a Board Game Hot Takes t-shirt. And probably the only person in the entire place that will have a Board Game Hot Takes t-shirt on, so it should be easy to find me. If you're wearing a Board Game Hot Takes t-shirt, you will definitely get a shout out on the show as well, though. So that'd be awesome to see you. Um, Anyway, stop by and say hi. I'm going to be playing. I've already got plans to play with some people in the Board Game uh, podcast community. I've got plans to play with some some listeners already that I know are going to be there. So would love to get a game in with you or at least stop and say hi, chat with you for a minute. Tim, are you going to be there the whole duration, the 15th through 19th, or just partial? When are you going to be there? Yeah, the whole thing. I'm going to be there the whole thing. I'm uh, I'm flying in Wednesday morning and then leaving Sunday at some point. So assuming I'm having fun, I'll I'll plan on being there, being there the whole time. Cool. And if you happen to see Tim there, remember he likes really aggressive area control, lots of dice rolling, lots of <laughs> dice rolling. So if you see him there, invite him to a game of Risk. And you'll definitely get a shout out. Or just throw dice in his face. That'll get him pumped <laughs> yeah. up. Nice. I like it. Well, you know, you, you already heard on last week's episode that I will not turn down any game on game night. So even if it's throwing dice in my face, I'll still show up for the game. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be there. Uh, all right. Number two is we shut down our Twitter account. We're no longer on Twitter anymore. We've been talking oh. about it for three years. But if you want to hang out with us on social media, we're in two places now, primarily Blue Sky and our Facebook group. Now, Blue Sky is an invite-only platform. So if you're interested in a Blue Sky invite, drop me an email at tim at boardgamehottakes.com. We want more and more of our community to come over there. And I had several listeners reach out this week and say, hey, we've got invites. We'd love to pass them on to your listeners. So if you're interested in joining Blue Sky, just let me know. Drop me an email. The other reason you want to drop me an email at tim at boardgamehottakes.com is because we want to do a mailbag show in the, in the future at some point. And even if you're listening to this show years in the future, uh, we may do these regularly. So drop an email to Tim at BoardGameHotTakes.com, put mailbag in the subject, and just any question, any topic you want us to discuss on the show, we'll read your question and we'll talk about it. We'll try to give our best answers on an episode in the future. So we'd love to see that as well. Done with business. Let's get into the fun. Today, we're going to be talking about our top five climaxes. I know that's what everybody's here for. Can't wait to get started and hear about yours. Before we talk about the list, though, what is a great climax in a board game? What are you looking for when you're talking about a board game with a great climax? I had a little bit of trouble with this one. It was a little bit it was a little bit challenging. So I reached out to you guys over the weekend even and asked what your interpretations were. And I think we were looking at kind of the same thing. So the climax of the game is like the big battle scene at the end of the movie, right? You know, you're kind of getting to the end, the forces have been amassing and they clash. And all kinds of crazy stuff starts happening. There's all kinds of CGI awesomeness. And that is the climax of the movie. Now, I'm going to use another really probably very bad Lord of the Rings analogy because I think that this actually, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's it kind of works. But I'm going to compare this to the conclusion, which is going to be our last episode in this series. And so there's the climax. That's the big battle scene. In the Lord of the Rings, we all saw that. I mean, big epic battle, fighting orcs, ogres, giant monsters. I don't even know what they were all called, but there was crazy stuff happening. But then at the very end of the movie, you had your conclusion. And that's like, I don't know, it felt like it was a half hour, 45 minutes in Lord of the Rings, where you kind of see what happens to everybody after the big battle is over. It's kind of like the thing in a movie that can be either really, really satisfying or really, really terrifically boring, where you kind of see what happens after the climax. That's what we're going to be talking about next week, I think, when we get to the end, very end of the game, the conclusion, which is going to be things like the end game scoring and how you wrap stuff up in the game. So I'm also going to make a little quick prediction here about how difficult that's going to be. And the reason I think that's going to be hard is because there's a lot, like a lot of movies, there's a lot of games out there that don't do that in a very exciting way. I mean, end game scoring 
how exciting can that be, right? The same way that in a lot of movies, when you kind of see what happens to the characters at the end, there's that little bit of wrap up. It's often not very exciting, but when it's awesome, it really just kind of pulls everything together and makes the movie great. So I just threw a whole stack of really bad analogies that you guys there, but that's my take on it. Well, first of all, Chris, just so you know, I've got a great list of conclusions for next week. So not difficult at all. In fact, the, the climax and the conclusion were the two things I was most excited about doing in these series, because I think there's some games that really excel at both of them. And those are the more, most interesting ones to talk about. So I'm excited to get to that list. But last thing I want to mention is that Lord of the Rings didn't just have one conclusion. It had at least five conclusions. <laughs> that isn't a great end to a story. So hopefully your board games don't have that many conclusions in them. Well, first of all, I think you're wrong about that. I love those <laughs> endings, but we're, we're getting a little off topic here. Chris, I was going to agree with you about the conclusions. That's going to be a hard one for me. I don't know. You know, I have like maybe two games that I can think of right now that have this nice kind of wrap up, tie it all together. The post climax session, the kind of calm down, what's going to happen now. I would like to see some games work on that and maybe like give you a little hint as to something that's coming next or like, you know, like to be continued kind of thing. That would be kind of neat, I think, to see some of that in some board games. So a lot of that's missing. But yeah, uh, for me, it was as far as climax of a game, it was these sort of stand up moments, these emotional moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't, what, what's happening right now? So I thought about what games bring that kind of emotion to me and are associated with the near end of the game, if not the end of the game itself. And to go back to the conclusion versus climax thing, there's a lot of games that just end right there on the climax and there's zero conclusion or zero kind of wrap up after. So I'm looking forward to that next week list, Tim, to hear what you have to say about it. If you've got so many games lined up, I'm very excited to hear about. So what would, what do you look for in this, this climax sort of section of uh, storytelling in board games? Yeah, I think it's very similar to what you're mentioning, Adam. And, and that is that it's not the end of the game, but it's what we've been building up to. It's the exciting moments. This is where, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the game table and this is where I'm now standing at the game table where everyone else is sitting down, but I'm so excited to see what's about to happen. Yeah. I'm standing up and this is, you know, there's usually even maybe a little bit of, and this is true in stories too, there's usually even a little bit of a climax and then the, it kind of goes down just a tad before the conclusion. And I think the best climaxes in board games do the same thing, that it's not just wrapping up the game and finding out who, who won, that's the conclusion. But the climax is the big moments that are going to really, they may dictate who's going to win, they may, but it's at least going to give you a hint. It's going to give you some things that could really change the course of the game right at the end, but based on all the work that you did up till that point, that's what I think a great climax is in a board game. So Chris, let's start off with your number five top board game climax. This is so hard because I had several that were similar in concept to the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys about. And I'm actually going to start with one that's a little bit of a, at least according to my way of looking at the, the climax, the finale, it's a little bit non-traditional. And that game is Sulkin, the Mayan calendar, designed by Simone Luciani and Daniela Tashini and published by Czech Games Edition. The reason I say that this one is a little bit non-traditional is it doesn't follow the sort of standard storyline movie script model that I've been talking about this whole time. I think this is where we have clashed, uh, Tim and I, on our interpretations of these things. But this is not one of those. This is more about the game mechanics than it is about the actual story that's being told. And the thing that's similar to this, to a couple of other games that I consider for this list, was that there are a few of these big climaxes in the game, and they tend to come around the feeding portions. For those who haven't played the game before, you're putting pieces on this rotating gear, and when the gear reaches certain places, then you have to feed the people. And usually around that same time, because of the way this game works, you're putting these tokens on these wheels, and as, you, as the wheels turn, they change and improve the actions that you're able to do. And so what tends to happen is that people place their characters, they place their workers so that right at these moments when the big feeding event has to happen, 
they've got a lot of stuff going down. And that's not not really storytelling, but at the same time, it's a really exciting climax within the game because you have a lot of big events happening all around the same time, which in a way is really kind of thematically appropriate considering that this is a game about an ancient calendar which is revolves around the seasons. And at different seasons, different things happen. You have festivals, you have holidays. And here, you feed everyone, you have a harvest, but you're also building temples, you're developing technologies, you're pulling off all these workers because that's when you want this all, all the big things to happen is right around the time when the harvest has to come in and you have to feed the people, but you're also doing all these other exciting things. And so it doesn't tell a story in the storybook way that I've been, I've been talking about so much, but I think there's so much excitement in those couple of climaxes you have throughout the course of this game. I'm curious to hear what you guys think of that. Did I break my own rule too much there? Is that, did I, did I kind of lose the thread or is that it? Chris, you nailed it. You finally understood what this whole series is about. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Chris, I think that's a great pick and a great take on it. I like the, uh, it's a little outside the box, but it makes sense how you're saying it. These different periods of sort of like undulating climax. So up and I like it, Chris, that's a great pick. Yeah, believe it or not, Chris, I actually considered this pick tonight when Adam stole one of my picks from me. Not true. Um, I, I didn't ultimately go with it. So it's good that it, that it was on your list and not mine. But I think even though this happens a few times in the course of the game, I think the end of the game is really where the game escalates. And it actually creates some exciting tension because, you know, a few turns earlier, you're trying to figure out where to place those workers to make sure that you're actually going to trigger what you want to. And I can't tell you how many times I've played this game where I, um, you know, I, I get to that final turn and I'm like, oh, I did not. I'm one space behind where I meant to be. And so, you know, it's, it's exciting. It creates, it creates great tension. It creates exciting moments. And uh, it does lead to what ultimately ends up being a pretty interesting conclusion mm-hmm. and oftentimes a surprising conclusion. So I think this is an awesome pick. Awesome. Thanks. All right. First up for me, and I'm going to try to do these climax moments in games in order of the biggest climax. I don't know if that makes sense. These could be in any order. All these climaxes are great here. First up for me, it's World Series time. And I want to talk about baseball highlights 2045. So in this game, the way I like to play it is you do this three game mini series up front. It doesn't matter if you lose all three, if you win all three, it's basically filling each other out, filling out your opponent. And you're going to do this scouting, these drafting of cards And you're going to sort of counter each other. There's a natural, there's a robot, and there's cyborgs in the game. So if the other guy takes a natural that's going to hit three home runs, well, maybe you're going to take a a cyborg picture that cancels all hits versus a natural. So you have this sort of cat and mouse of players that you're going to draft. And that goes on for this three-game miniseries. And then you go to the seven-game World Series, potential seven-game World Series, the best four out of seven, just like they do in baseball. And the same thing happens. You're going game one, game two, and after every game, you're going to draft cards and you're just trying to balance your deck to get as good as you can and counter out your opponent. And more often than not, this game goes to a game seven of the World Series and every card that you're playing down, you're thinking, oh man, did I, am I playing the right card? Am I countering his card correctly? What does he have in his hand? Is he going to be able to counter me? Am I gonna, I'm going to try to draw this card out from him so that I can cancel it with this other. It's such a game of tactics and cat and mouse. And that final game seven, if you get there, it's so tense and so fun that when you get to that final moment, it's so exhilarating. Not to mention this game can go into extra innings. So you're talking about now potentially extra innings in game seven of the World Series. So many great moments in this incredibly thematic deck building game. Baseball highlights 2045. What a great climax. Now, Adam, this is a this is a really interesting pick. And I, I'm curious from your experience, do you find that that final game, does it end up being tight? Like it like if you go and watch baseball, you know, half the time you can watch a game and you know by the seventh inning who's gonna win. There's no chance the other team is likely to come back. So it's not that exciting. But occasionally you'll get that game where you know you're in the final inning of the game and and you know, it's tied up and, you know, they're, whoever's at, at the top of the thing, you know, they, if they get a couple home runs, all of a sudden they're going to lock it up. But then the, the team that's at the bottom of the inning is going to potentially come back here. So do you find that you get that kind of tension in this game typically? I absolutely. So I play this game a ton with both with my dad and both on the app. It's a pretty nice app. And the AI on the app is really good, too. So more often than not on the app, 
I go to that game seven of the world and it's close. I've had extra innings in that seventh game so many times with my dad too. It's just the way that the cards are done and the bounce out. If you're both, if you're paying attention to what the other guy's picking, you're going to be able to pick something that's going to counter it or is just as strong in a different way. So there is more often than not this incredible seesaw and back and forth that just represents that exciting tension and gets you to that game seven. Now it doesn't always go into a game seven. Sometimes you're going to crush the guy if you don't make a couple of errant moves or you just don't draw the right cards at the right time. But so many times it's gone to that right down to the wire and it's been thrilling. I love that pick, Adam, because I mean, I'm not even a baseball fan, but even I can sort of feel in my blood that, you know, the excitement of a game seven of the World Series, it just, you know, it resonates. I I think that's a great pick. All right. My number five today is, you know, there had to be some big explosive area control games on our list. Maybe there are more coming, but I had to start with the granddaddy, the best of the best, and that is Blood Rage. And Blood Rage, I think, does a great job of building to a climax here because it's played over three rounds or ages. And in each of the ages, the cards that you're drafting, the abilities you're going to get are going to escalate to the point where you get to that. You could be so far behind in the second round and you still have a shot of pulling off some big moves, some big, huge events in the third age that can still pull you back out, whether it's dropping down that that uh, fire giant and just like blowing up everybody's pieces in one area or whether it's playing the card that doubles all your quests for that round and all of a sudden you're going to get 35 points in the conclusion of the game there's so many exciting events and the biggest part about this game is that it drives you to fight for Yggdrasil the middle of the board and they're almost inevitably every game is going to be 15 minis sitting in the middle of that big area in the middle of the board with everybody just hoping that they're going to pull out the right card at the right time and trick everybody else and pull out a win there and get the get all the points for killing everybody else on the board, which the points are escalated in that era as well. There's so much exciting buildup in this game that culminates in that final climax, the final couple turns of the game. Uh, I just love how Blood Rage wraps up and, and comes to that that great climax at the end. Dude, we've all been there in that final battle in Yggdrasil. Few things in board gaming that are as exciting as that. That is for sure. So many fun ways to score points in that game. Like you said, Tim, one time I think I had some character that gave me points for everybody in the battle that died. So you just throw that one person in there, everybody dies. And then I had a card that would let me bring a person back or like prevent them from dying. It would keep them on the map. So I got to use that guy a couple of times and score all these different points. So what a fantastic game. Blood Rage, great pick, Tim. Yeah, and I think what this is a, a game that kind of represents what I think about in the climax, which is it doesn't even have to be the last turn, but even that whole last era is yeah. almost the climax of the game. You finish drafting, and everything that's happening that round is going to be big. It's going to be impactful. And that's kind of, you know, like we, we built up. We're in the final battle scene of the big movie. This is it. Yeah, love Blood Rage as a, as a great, exciting moment at the end of the game. Well, I'm going to keep that vibe going by... <laughs> Giving you my number four, which is Rising Sun, also designed by Eric Lang and also published by Simon Games. Uh, The second game in the trilogy of uh, area control games by Eric Lang, which also includes Ankh, which somebody mentioned. Adam, you mentioned Ankh last episode, right? Build up. It was last episode. Yeah, Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, go Eric Lang. And this is a game that I don't even particularly like, honestly. This is a game that I've said many times. I can see the beauty of it. I can see how impressive it is in terms of design, but is not my favorite game from an enjoyment standpoint because of my particular predisposition about the the way this game works. But having said all of that, I mean, the buildup in this thing where you've got blood rage, that's hack and slash, man. That's Vikings. That's, you know, people dropping axes in the middle of each other's heads and Rising Sun is like the politics because everybody's maneuvering around that board, getting in just the right spot and picking which battle is coming next and making sure that you've got the right people in the right place as the battles start progressing from region to region to region, because you're going to see where the battles are going to happen and what order they're going to happen in. And that's also where the politicking starts. That's when Tim starts saying, hey, Adam, I'm going to move out of this spot because I'm going to leave that for you to take care of Chris. And I'm going to get this other area over here because Steve's got this thing going on. And I hate that part of the game. But man, <laughs> from a storytelling standpoint, and if you like that sort of thing, this game does it in just such an elegant and exceptionally cool way. So by the end of that, 
you've got these intricate deals happening in particular because by the end of this game, there are different regions and different colors. And one of the things you can score big points on is by having the right combination of victories in the right territories. And so by the end, everybody knows what Tim's going for or what Adam's going for, or what Chris is going for, and what do we need to do to stop them or to prevent the prevent that person from getting the token that they're going to need to get to score those big points at the end. And the chatter is fast and furious. And by the end of that, especially when you factor in that cool combat mechanism where you're bidding coins on the different actions and you can get big points by committing seppuku and killing yourself in a battle, for example, just the the crazy stuff you can do. The climax of this game is absolutely top notch. Yeah, Chris, this one's making me tingle just thinking about it. I really like that combat, how it progresses in order of regions and you can kind of maneuver during the course of play where you want to put your troops and how you want that to all go down. I want to play this one again. I'm so sad that it's not one of your favorite games. Maybe I'll get Tim and a couple of his pals to play this one with me. Yeah, the shock of this episode is that Chris picked Rising Sun for a top five list of any right. kind. But that's it's an awesome pick, Chris. And I, again, one that was right on the edge of my list. I, I chose Blood Rage over it, but it could have been either one of these games. Great climax in this one as well. Yeah, both great choices. Up next for me, and I'm going to continue with the area control theme, is wonderlands war a lot of my picks were sort of this deck building i think deck building is a good medium for this climax because you're working on your deck the whole time but in this game there's a little bit of engine building and it's done through a mechanism of bag building as well you're getting these little poker chips throwing them in your bag and each one of these chips does something different and throughout the three rounds of the game you're building up your bag and you're building up the power of your main character and maybe you're pulling in some Wonderlandians to do some crazy stuff too. And now when you get to that final round, you're trying to get castles, you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, you're trying to win the most points in these different regions and you have this push your luck mechanism. How strong are the chips in your bag? Every chip pull is super intense. You get to a, oh, you're like, oh, this is the chip I needed exactly. Or you get that that crystal, those those horrible crystals. You're so furious when you get one of those. You have these stand up moments where what one time Chris was passed and he was back at five points, and then I forget was who was still going. Steve and Tim were still going in the battle, and they knocked each other out, and Chris won just by sitting there. How amazing was that? Or, you know, there's two people left. One person pulls the five chip out and the other person person pulls their final crystal out and there's nothing they can do and they bust. And it's this whole sigh from one side of the table and this jump up cheer from the other side as the points have just been lost by one character and one by the other character. So, so many moments in this game done through this push your luck mechanism. A lot of surprise outcomes that can come from this bag pull as well. Wonderland's War gives me so many ups and downs and lots of great climaxes throughout the game. <laughs> yeah, this is an awesome pick too. Yeah, and you're right. The buildup, the, the tension in those final couple of rounds of battle, not only for the people that are that are battling, but the people that are bet on the battles and hoping to get that one last ship that might give them the quest, you know, the bottom of the quest cards that they're trying to get to at the end of the game. Everybody's excited. This is one of those games where I'm absolutely standing by the end of the game. Ne- inevitably, mm-hmm. I'm never sitting in my chair by the time we get to the final few battles in this game. Great pick. Another great pick, Adam. And this is actually another one of those ones like Sulkin that I was talking about where it has these multiple climaxes over the course of the game. Yeah, it's this wave that happens. And in this game, not only do you have the three different battle segments, but each of the individual battles is its own little climax. So just so many great, exciting things there. Like Tim said, nobody is sitting in their seat by the time the battles are over. Now, push your luck, I think, is is a great way to lead into exciting climaxes because you know you never know what the outcome is going to be and i've got another push your luck game that's completely different than wonderland's war this is the sid saxon classic from 1980 can't stop this game is such a fun it it can go quick that climax can come quick but when it does it doesn't matter how many columns you've already taken over in the game it doesn't matter whether you're like feels like you're going to lose Everybody has a chance of winning in a single roll. So if you really need to push your luck to try to get up a few of those columns and get those markers right at the end of the at the end of the game, you can do that, and it's it can be exciting and people can pull it off. So there's just fun, exciting moments in this game, and I think the biggest flaw with Board Game Geek is that this is sitting at a six point nine 
uh, rating on board game geek it should be much higher this game is fantastic and a big part of that is the climax for me such a fun game yeah tim great pick through this simple mechanism of rolling dice it's so fun to make that final run when you think all hope is lost and you're rolling your dice and you get three twos in a row and then you made that column and the game's over boom the funny thing is that the the, the climax can happen on the first player's turn if they really want to push it like yeah. you get really lucky but usually <laughs> you it does six seven eight you <laughs> yeah, can just keep right. going but usually it doesn't usually that usually that what happens is that they'll feel like they're gonna hit it and they'll be rolling and rolling and rolling and you're like oh my god and then they bust and lose all the movement that they got uh-huh. there so lots of ups and downs in this game but uh, the end of the game when you're just the last you know if I, I just got to push my luck to make this because if I don't, it's going to be someone else's turn. Super exciting moments. Yeah. And like you said, Tim, push your luck is just such a great way to lead into a big climax. Always, always exciting. And I'm actually going to go in the exact opposite direction now with my number three game. And that is My Father's Work, designed by T.C. Petty Third and published by Renegade Game Studios. This is one where the mechanisms are almost irrelevant to story. I won't say completely. I mean, there's definitely ties in with the uh, with the, the mechanisms and the story element. But this is storytelling in the most old fashioned way. The game itself is relatively simple and basic. We talked about it a few weeks ago, after we played it at Portland Con. And we talked about how simple the mechanisms were, how basic, you know, collecting resources, using them to build things. But where this game shines in terms of the storytelling is through the app and through the actual story elements, the places where you just sit down and read the story that's coming out of this. And that can be done in a very poor way, but my father's work does it in such a great way because the story includes wit and it's interesting. And there's enough tie in between what you're doing in the game and what's happening in the story in the mechanisms that it really does keep it lively. Uh, for those not familiar, the my father's work is the story of three generations of mad scientists that are continuing on the work of their their forebears and trying to make themselves the most famous mad scientist in the land because, of course, that's what everybody wants, right? And to complete their quote unquote father's work, which is usually some very big, exciting, crazy experiment. We played this game by the very end. The story had progressed to the point where I don't want to give any big spoilers, but we were in the middle of this crazy world war that had started from the early days where we were in this little tiny village. And by the end of it, we were trying to take over the world. And the story that got tagged onto these basic elements of the basic mechanical elements of the game just elevated it so much that you could feel the excitement of what was happening because of the story that was that was added on behind it more so than through the actual mechanical elements of the game. It's a tough gamble to make if you're the designer, because you can take the most boring basic game and try to do that. And it's probably going to fail. But in this game, there was a good enough balance of story and game elements that I thought it really worked. And I was just thinking about the way that the the storytelling happened at the end of the game. And I just thought that was a blast. I wish I could say more about it, but I don't want to give any spoilers. So, so you just got to try it and, uh, and see what I mean. So Chris, this game's confusing. I wasn't there for this play. If you play it again and again, is it going to be a different story every time? Or is it going to be similar every time? How's that going to work out? There are different stories there. It's a branching storyline where the group either collectively or individually makes choices over the course of the game. And you can have different outcomes based on the different things that you do. There's also three different story modules that come with the game. And each of those kind of starts from a different place. So there's three different starting stories. And then within each of those, there are branching outcomes. So you could end up with multiple different endings in the game. But there is a cap. There is some like two to the eighth number of stories or something like that in the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was uh, this was the one pick on Chris's list that I was like, I don't he's never going to sell me on this. I don't I don't buy that. This has a huge climax. But he just reminded me that, yeah, the, the mechanisms don't get there. Right. I mean, there is engine building over the course of this three generations. There is some evolution, but he's absolutely right. When Chris was just talking about the story and how that evolves, it drastically changes again without spoiling too much where you're literally just one couple in a small little village talking to villagers. And at the end, 
you're in the middle of like leading countries to world war. So wow, yeah. If the rest of the stories in this in this game, if the different you know branching paths or the different modules that you can play with do the same type of thing, there is a huge huge climax to the story in the game. So really going to the extreme, Chris of not how the mechanisms tie in, but how the story tie in to the story elements. Interesting pick here, and I'm I'm on board. Up next for me is Soul: Last Days of a Star, a game that. You guys aren't such fans of, but I absolutely love this game. It starts off pretty slow. You're in these motherships orbiting this star, a dying star. All of your civilizations are trying to book out and get out of here before the star goes supernova and explodes. So you're trying to get enough momentum. For some reason, only one of these civilizations can get enough momentum to escape the star. I guess that's why it's a board game. There's only one winner. But anyway, there's this mechanism where these flares come out of the deck. And there's only, well, I think 13 flares in the deck. So you're kind of counting as this game goes on. Oh my gosh, there's five flares left. Now there's four flares left. And how much momentum do I have? I just need one more turn, just not the last flare yet. I just need one more turn. Please let me get that last turn in so I can get the momentum I need to get out of here. From beginning to end, you get all this infrastructure built around this star. You've got these little sun divers that are going to start hurling themselves, themselves into the core of the sun since you don't use them you don't need to use them to build any of these buildings anymore. That final push for the last bit of momentum before this flare comes out, I think is such an exciting moment in board games. And when it happens, it's just a huge sigh of, oh my gosh, it's over. I love this game. I'm sad to you guys don't dig it that much. That's soul. Last days of a star. Well, Adam, you're right about one thing. And that is that when it comes to the end, I sigh a huge sigh of relief and say, oh my gosh, it's over. <laughs> In fact, I was thinking uh, as you're talking about this, how like last week you mentioned Ankh in buildup in games, and I think Ankh would have been a great pick for climax in games. Well, I think this would have been a great pick for conclusion in games because the happiest thing about this game is when it's done. Mm. And I'm done. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't pick on it anymore. I'm I'm glad you enjoy the uh, the climax in this game. I just I don't find very much fun in any of it. So. Fair enough. I wish I could remember the climax of this one. Honestly, it's been long enough since we played it now that my feelings on it have softened. You said I didn't like it that much, and I honestly don't remember my feelings. So maybe you can trick me into playing it again. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll agree with you about the conclusion. I will try my best to trick both of you guys into playing this one again. Adam, did you ever get your Kickstarter? Didn't you get a, like back another Kickstarter on this? Do you have the new version of it yet? Yeah, I think it's um. There was an update recently. It's it's near delivery or near getting to the boats or you know it's one of those. This is a game I would choose probably to never play it on tabletop simulator again if i could help it but it'd be kind of interesting to play it in person with the actual you know like these cool little physical ships and stuff like that so maybe this is one you just got to bring to bghtcon when you get your copy of it and we'll give it another shot oh thanks yeah my number three on the list here is a game designed by paul denon and it's probably not the game you think i'm going to mention it's clink or any almost any game in the clink series and hear me out i'm I'm seeing some eye rolling here i don't even understand this because chris was a fan of clink at at one point he seems to be oh now he's now he's on board with me okay it's adam no i was like i i I was bummed (laughs) out that you were gonna do this one i i wanted to do this one go go on (laughs) please this is a game where the the game really truly has so much tension there's so much at stake when you come into the last 20% of the game because you could literally get knocked out of it. And it's just so fun. Every time somebody triggers that, you know, like one of the cards come at the road triggers the dungeon or the dragon attacking, you're pulling cubes out and anything could happen. It could be easily distributed. Nobody really got hurt, but it could be, ah, four of my cubes just got pulled out. If one more gets pulled, I'm going to die. And you're just racing to get to the end. But there's always these little obstacles that are going to come up and get in your way. Such a great uh, climax in this game to me because it's just exciting moments throughout. I mean, it's always fun. You're always doing fun stuff in this game, but when you get to that that climax, and somehow the game manages to always make it tense right at the end, just as people are trying to get to the end there, there's one or two people that may or may not make it. Sometimes they all do, sometimes nobody does, but usually it's like two or three people make it out and one person gets left behind. I think it's <laughs> saying he's the one person that's left behind. Now I mentioned Clank. I it really could be any in the series except the Legacy game, which was really fantastic, great storytelling. But I, I never felt that tension when we were playing the Legacy game in the way that I do with any of the other versions of Clank. But Clank Catacombs is my favorite iteration right now. But 
any of them is going to give you some of that that fun climax, that fun excitement right as you're getting to the end of the game. Dude, this is the epitome of the climax. Far, I was not rolling my eyes. I'm like, if I if you hadn't taken this one, it would have been number one on my list. Because, I mean, you are literally at the end of this game racing the clock. You are pushing your luck. You are sprinting for that exit because if you don't make it, you're going to end up getting killed and you're not going to you're not even going to be in the game anymore. And the cool thing is that even if you make it out early, like there's always one person who takes like the easy route and they just kind of stroll off while everybody else is still trying to get the really good treasures. And even for them, it's exciting because they know that people who hung out longer probably got more points from better treasures and are probably doing more interesting things. But if they make it out, then that's big trouble for the person who made it first. So they're rooting to have those people die on the ship before they can make it to the exit. So even if you're not even playing anymore, it's still a super exciting ending. So I, I think this is a great pick. This game, these games, all of these clank games have been an exercise in frustration for me. Maybe there's something I'm not getting, but you know, there's these dragons that's going to like do some weird stuff. And then you don't have enough boots or you don't have a microchip that you need to open some door or something or something's, spinning around and trapping you in a cave you have nothing to do some arbitrary card comes out and now you're trapped in a cave what's that all about i haven't seen the climactic joy in the clank games that you guys are talking about but i think i need to go back and revisit these because i believe it's there this is one that still hasn't fallen off a cliff for me i'd want to go back and try this one and and find that joy that you guys have. I, I hope you come back to it and find the joy, Adam. Adam, based on your rant on Castles of Burgundy last week, I suspect there's a lot you're missing about the game. I don't understand the rules. That's <laughs> your MO. At, at least the rules kind of make sense. Boots help you move faster. That makes sense to me. That's 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 a, There's a logical connection there. Oh, you didn't get to the blue house, uh, the orphanage in Clank, where you just get more people. Why are you stealing? <laughs> what are you stealing from the orphanage that gives you more workers? That's just weird. Think about that, people. All right, check, please. Uh, all right. Yeah. Moving on to <laughs> number two. My number two is actually two different games, but I don't consider this a real cheat because they are so similar in their climax that I think it'll be obvious in a minute why I did this. One of them is Heat, Pedal to the Metal, designed by Asger Harding Granerud and Daniel Skold Peterson and published by Days of Wonder. And the second is Downforce, designed by Rob Davio, Justin Jacobson, and Wolfgang Cromer, and published by Restoration Games, which, incidentally, we reviewed together on a single episode related to car racing games. And I feel like I almost don't even need to say why these made the list. I mean, sort of like Adam's inclusion of baseball highlights I mean, what is more exciting than the big photo finish at the end of a car race? In this game, you're you're doing what you got to do to get around that track as fast as you can. There's always going to be a couple people that are relatively close to the front of that pack. There may be some in the back, but even the people that are in the back can do a crazy move, do the right uh, do the right moves at the end. If you're playing heat, you can. You can pull those, uh, I forget what they call them. They're the cards that basically mean you're driving out of control and you get, you draw extra cards and heat cards. No, it wasn't the heat cards. There's these other cards. I forget what they're called. But anyway, they're the basically you're driving out of control. You're losing your focus cards. You're too much excitement or anxiety or something like that. It's some, it's some wonky thing. But you start drawing these cards and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And maybe you make it across the finish line. Maybe you spin out in a corner and go crashing. And in downforce, you have, uh, you may be in the back, but then suddenly, you know, two or three people have to play cards that give you a little bit of a boost and you're crossing that finish line. And in both of these games at the end, it's not even necessarily the first person to cross that finish line. It's all about who can, who can get the farthest on that last turn. So you may have somebody who crosses the finish line first, but then the next person goes flying past them and gets even farther past the finish line. And so there's a big finish at the end. I actually got a chance to play Heat a second time. We did our review game, and then I played it a few weeks ago when I was at the Portland coast uh, for the game weekend. And I actually, this game remediated itself quite a bit to me because the first time we played it, I think there was kind of a general feeling that there was a little bit too much heft to this game for something that felt like it should have been pretty light. On second play, actually knowing the game, it felt a lot lighter to me and a lot breezier and a lot more exciting. And so 
I became a big, a bigger fan of this game than I was previously. And that big finish was, um, was one of the things that really did it. Yeah. Those are some fun picks, Chris, it coming down to that final rate, that final straightaway or that final turn, super exciting climax, a race game, just like you said, with the baseball highlights, any kind of moment in sports that you've seen on TV before, I think is easy to relate to and easy to get that climactic feeling. Chris, I'm glad that you uh, you got a chance to play Heat again, and it's a game I would like to revisit again. And especially, I understand there's like some modules that can give you a little bit of like upgrading and engine building in this game that make it seem like it could add some fun to it. But I'm glad you had more fun on your second play. I'd love to. I'd love to go back to this. Downforce, on the other hand, is a game I played a ton since we reviewed it. Still have fun with it. In some games, there are huge climaxes. It really, it's a photo finish comes down to the end. But then some games, it leads to where like everybody's pushed the one car to the front, and there's really nothing too exciting happening at the end. So I think it can be a little, you know, group dependent, a little bit game by game whether that's really fun at the end. So I'd like to get some more plays of Heat to kind of compare again and see if my overall feelings have shifted. But I, I agree, racing games, it's a great. You know, a good racing game is always going to give you a great climax at the end. There should be some excitement that's happening right as people are getting to the end of it. That's awesome. Well, in downforce, one thing to remember that even if there is one car that goes blazing past the finish line well in advance of everybody else, maybe everybody bet on them. So you do have another way to score points with that car, even if it's not your car. So I think that kind of keeps a little bit of excitement in there, even if there was is one clear lead car. Yeah, but that would be the conclusion, not the climax. Well, that's that may be true. <laughs> that that's legit. Okay, my number two best climax in board games is one that Tim and I were arguing about using. This is another game by Paul Denon, the one that you probably are thinking about. This is Dune Imperium. And you only put it number two. You stole this from me and you only put it number two. Are you serious? <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's a, there's a better one. There's a better one. So this one usually comes down to those last two or three conflicts but not always. But if it does come down to those conflicts, you're looking at who's got the best troop positioning, who's going first, and do they have enough spice for the highliner space? Are they going to take that and just cover the board in troops? And not to mention, if you're playing with the expansions, you've got all of these, um, the dreadnoughts that are coming in there. And then how many intrigue cards does Chris have over there? How many intrigue cards does Tim have? What do those things say? Are they going to be some in-game points? Are they going to be some combat cards? Speaking of in-game points, like you think that you might have won that last battle and you've got 12 points, oh, you're home free, but no, somebody just bought a freaking worm card and then they have this in-game two additional points and they sneak from behind and take the victory from you. So there's so many ways for this game to end. This game gives me that tingle in the back of my neck and it's so tense. I'm looking around. I'm suspicious of what's going to happen. I'm trying to maneuver and get those last few points out. Not to mention there's the tracks over there, the the Benny Gesserit and the Emperor, the Spacing Gill and the Fremen tracks. You're maneuvering up and down those. You're going to be able to steal that last point from somebody by going above them on the track. Whew, so much excitement going on here in Dune Imperium. Also, you're thinking about the power of your deck, another deck builder. Did you build a good deck? Are you going to be able to have the flexibility and the strength you need in combat if that's what you're going for? Or for any of those key moments, you have the right card to do what you need to do. So much tension, so much to think about as you're coming into the final few rounds of this game. I need to go back and play. I could play this game every night for the rest of board game nights and have fun every single time. It's Dune Imperium, maybe my favorite game of all time. Wow. If you had come to me three, four years ago and said the pinnacle of climax in board games is going to be a worker placement game, I would have laughed at you. I would have said there's no possible way, and yet it is. It does everything in relation to this right. It is a fairly simple, straightforward worker placement set of mechanisms. But it builds to this great climax, both with building your deck and just having the most powerful hand of cards, hopefully, on the last round. But also the fact that you only play to 10 points. And many of those points are going to come in the last round or two. Or maybe it's just about, maybe you don't even get there on the 10th round. And it's just about who just barely busted through to the end. And every every choice you make in that last round is so critical, so important. It may be the big climactic battle, or it may be that somebody just sh- got got a, a faction to shift allegiances by jumping just ahead of them on the track. And you have to make these tense de- decisions about, well, or, do I want to get in that battle or do I need to 
protect my allegiance on this track or am I going to play this other you know thing to pick up some intrigue cards that might give me a little leg up here and the the last round of this game is shockingly last round or two usually is shockingly tense shockingly exciting it, you've got to play a three or four player game of Dune Imperium with Rise of X in there and just the excitement even play the epic game whatever the one that plays the 12 points that's that's even yeah. that's even more exciting there's just a little bit more build up a little bit more excitement coming into the end there man this game is so good and it's got such a great climax to it it's so good yeah this is another one where if you guys hadn't stolen it i would have been doing it too all right so my number two is a game i sometimes don't even like that much it frustrates the heck out of me but you cannot say it does not have a great climax and that is eclipse second dawn for the galaxy i suppose the original eclipse probably just as good but i've never played it but the thing about this game is that there are some really cool mechanisms building up hold on tim you're still in maybe the greatest game of all time and giving it the number two (laughs) slot Ah, (laughs) disrespect in all fairness this is the slot that dune imperium would have been in so i do have one more i'd pick over it but Ah, okay yeah so eclipse i mean the tension that as you get into that eighth round, I mean, in some in some games of this, nobody's even gone to combat. Maybe you've gone to combat with the ancients, but you haven't even combated each other. But you get to that last round and somebody, you know, somebody is going to try to take that GDCR in the middle of the game, in the middle of the board. But if they move in there, who else is going to come in? And you end up with three or four different factions in the middle right at the end or a few people that that you know turn into traitors and they've had an alliance with somebody next to them the whole time and that last round after the one person's committed their troops somewhere else or their ship somewhere else all of a sudden they've now made a move into that person's territory maybe even moves into a couple of them and decided to take get a couple more uh you know whatever the 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 point ships at the end and and take over some more territories and get some points so that you really don't know how this game is going to end until you get into that final round and you get to the conclusion of that final round so it's a huge climax here can be huge Huge exciting combats. Sometimes combats that just that just aren't exciting because somebody just rolled two blank dice and somebody just rolled two sixes. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what happens, but once in a while uh, it does. But the game itself always ends up in a climax. It always ends up in big, big, huge movements that everybody's been building towards over the course of the game. Yeah, even when that battle ends up being a complete disaster, it's still epic at the start. That's always true. I like the the eight rounds, Tim. You mentioned that. It's kind of a countdown, right? You know it's coming. It's building up. You can see the little marker moving across. You're, All right, this is it. Let's go for it. And then usually the winners and losers are determined in that final round of combat. And that's after you've built up your fleets and the technology. Did it pay off? Are you going to be like, you know, like Tim, you kind of mentioned roll five zeros in a row for like four rounds in a row. That's so rough. And then, like you said, is anyone going after that GCDS in the middle there? Is it, And then those outer sector fleet movements, is anybody doing some sneaky stuff with their fleets and moving into some of those sectors and grab those points and hosing over Steve? Sorry, Steve, I know I've done that to you so many times. <laughs> you got to. Great pick, Tim. All right. So a few minutes ago when we were talking about Dune Imperium, Tim mentioned that he couldn't believe that some of the biggest finales in board games came from worker placement games. Well, I'm going to continue that with my number one, which is Cryo, designed by Tom Jolly and Luke Laurie and published by Z-Man Games. So here's the the buildup for this game. The whole idea of it is that you're on a colony ship that crashed. Somebody sabotaged it. It crashed on a planet. There's pieces all over the place. And this is a cold world where when the sun sets everybody's going to die unless they're in underground caverns that are going to be able to sustain life and keep people alive. And so each of the players is a leader of a faction that's trying to assert their dominance over this new planet. And so this is a worker placement game. There's engine building. You're moving around. You're trying to gather resources to build various things, ships that are going to help you move around, get your drones out that are going to help you take actions. And ultimately, what you're trying to do is get your people out of cryostasis and then get them down into the underground caverns where they're going to be used for um, an area majority, where there's going to be a lot of points. But basically, the story element there is you're trying to get your people underground so you can save their lives and they don't die up on the surface in the wreckage of the ship. And so you're going through all this process while at the same time racing the clock, because once you get to a certain point, the sun is going to set, 
the world is going to freeze and everybody who's left on the surface is going to die. And so as you're going through this game, it's like I'm picturing in my mind this cinematic, you know, the sun is going down and the planet's rotating and things are getting colder and colder and it's harder to do things. And you're trying to get people, you're race. It's almost like that race to the exit that you have in Clank in space or Clank Catacomb, whatever, any of the Clank games. But in this one, you also have this kind of side element of the ability to sabotage people's ability to get their people underground in time. I played this game once, it was a little while ago, but I still remember getting sabotaged and I wasn't able to get my people underground. The sun set and a lot of my people died because somebody had hosed me. They got the, the caverns, they took control, and I was left freezing my butt off out on the surface. And again, the cinematic kind of picture in my head is I'm playing this out. And what's happening on this game board is you're trying to get down into those caves. It's, it's worthy of a movie. In fact, I think if we ever did another, they ought to make this game into a movie, movie episode. I think this would be one of the ones on my list. So great finale, great climax. Chris, I'm so intrigued by this game. I've never played it, but it looks so beautiful and vibrant. And the mechanisms, as you describe them, sound so interesting and fun to me. I really, really want to play this game now. Tim, you've played this one before, right? I have, yeah. It's, first of all, really cool production. Some just really fantastic stylized artwork that's used in this game that gives a great thematic hook. But the other cool thing about it is, Chris, you're talking about how you're trying to get your people down to these caves. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, it's the humans are all in cryosleep. So it's actually drones that are operating and trying to get. So it's like these AI drones that are up there moving. And I also like to tell the picture in my head, like, I'm lucky my AI drones aren't just pissed at me right now and didn't decide <laughs> they want to just eliminate human human life and leave me up there. Yeah, this is a really interesting pick, Chris. The game, it's been a couple, maybe a year and a half since I played it. And I, I don't, I just don't fully remember the mechanisms anymore. But you just remind me that we should get get it out and play it again. I remember mm-hmm, it was yeah. a fairly short, yeah. straightforward game, a game that you could get into and bust out in an hour, probably hour 15 minutes. So definitely worth a revisit. Probably the rules make sense and the things you're doing make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. I was going to say one thing, the co-designer here is Tom Jolly and he has also done Battle for Roku Gone and then another game that I want to play, the Manhattan energy empire well luke laurie the the other designer on this game is the other co-designer on uh energy manhattan project energy empire which the two of them designed both this game and the manhattan project energy empire okay interesting yeah so yeah i want to try uh, manhattan project energy empire as well because of um tom jolly and luke laurie's designs i sort of enjoy as well, but very interested in, in Cryo and then uh, these other games out there. Somebody reminded me recently that Luke Laurie, who designed The Dwellings of Eldervale, which was a game that was almost a great hit for me, there's a sci-fi kind of re-implementation of that that is, I think, supposed to be a little bit more streamlined that's coming to Kickstarter back or sometime in the near future. So I'm pretty t- interested in playing that one as well. But Energy Empire has been on my list of want-to-play games for a long time, so I'd love to try that one. So after all of this controversy about how would you put that at number two, I'm dying to hear what you guys actually have at your number one spots. All right. My number one game is Pax Pamir, second edition by Cole Worley and Worley Gig Games. This game, it escalates so quickly. You have these shifting tableaus that you're trying to build. And then you have these dominance checks that come out. Four dominance checks total in the game. Maybe if two of them are out at the same time, then that triggers one immediately. So this quickly becomes all players sort of walking this knife's edge between being in a position to win that dominance check and preventing the next player from being in that same position to win. So you're keeping an eye on the cards left in the draw deck. Uh Uh-oh, there's only five cards left, and I know that final dominance check is in there somewhere. You have to keep an eye on the money that people have in their hand. Are they going to be able to buy that great card that costs four bucks, or is that going to exhaust them of what they need to do to put themselves in a position to win. You have to watch what cards are in the market. Is Dost Muhammad in there? He's going to give you like four cylinders and a couple of these clay bricks to put out there on the map. And then you're also considering the cylinders versus the the actual dominance check. So is any coalition 
ahead by four or more of these bricks I was just talking about? Or is it the cylinder condition? Are you going to try to pivot the game state in your favor? Maybe you have more cylinders than everybody else and you want that to be the final condition. So each player is trying to work with those variables to situate the game state most in their favor. And oftentimes you can ride that way for four or five rounds. It goes round and round and round and someone grabs that position, but they can't by the dominance check. They take their two actions. That's all you get each turn, maybe a couple free actions. You get those actions and you're in a position to win, but then you can't quite finish it off. And the next person puts themselves in a position and then the next person does the same thing. So it stays in that heightened state. It rides this plateau of a climax for such a long time. And I don't know any other game that does it like that. It's again, I get that tingly kind of sensation as this is going around like, oh, if I can do this and do this, oh, I'm so close, but I can't quite pull it off. So now I have to make sure that the next player can't quite pull it off either. I have to put myself in a good enough spot to where they're going to have to worry about me before they can worry about themselves. Climax here is fantastic in PAX Premier 2nd Edition. It makes me want to come back to this game over and over and over again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's such a huge climax and so much tension. And I would say almost to the point for me where it's it's too tense to be fun. There's too much that could shift by the, you know, once that that check is going to come up that I don't know whether someone's going to shift sides. I don't know whether I should shift sides. I don't know whether someone's going to kill one of my guys with a spy and take away some of my points with a faction. It just feels so tense and so tight, which it can be a good thing. Um, but I think for me, Cole Worley, he designs really interesting games. And in this case, a great climax in a game, but just not a fun game. I'm, I'm hopeful for me that that arcs ends up being that Cole Worley design. that's actually fun, the final version of it. But, uh, but can't deny that this has a great climax, huge climax in it. Fair enough. I played this game once, Adam, and it was pretty disastrous because I had about a 30% understanding of the rules. So that one's on me. <laughs> I, I don't think I fully appreciated the game or the, the climax, but I just started a new game of it on BGA and watched a rules video. So I feel like I got at least like a 75% understanding of the rules. So hopefully this one I will fully appreciate and and see what you're saying about the finale because it sounds pretty awesome the way you described it. There are a lot of moving parts and there's a lot there to grasp. The scoring conditions are pretty neat, not to mention that final dominance check is worth double what the other dominance checks are worth. So you can be way back in last place. And if you come out on top, you will catapult yourself into the lead. So yeah, a lot to grasp here, a lot of shifting things to keep track of in uh, PAX Premier 2nd Edition. All right, well, my number one game with a huge climax is this game is designed by Jamie Stegmeier and it's published by Stonemeyer Games. And this is Scythe. Now, Scythe is a really interesting, to me at least, a very interesting game that mixes really Euro-y engine building with the possibility of combat. And that possibility of combat is where I think the climax really escalates here because this in this game, you're building up, you're, you're putting buildings out onto the board, you're building these mechs, moving them around and you know, upgrading your production capabilities and doing this, this heavy engine building. But generally, you're not interacting with the other people around the table too much. You know, there's a, this Cold War going on where you're out there, you need to make sure you got enough power just in case they come in to combat you. But at some point, the value of those stars from winning one or two combats on a turn are just too exciting and you've got to go and you've got to go and take it. And everybody knows it's going to come. So you're just, the, the tension's there and you're hoping that you're the one that's built up enough to protect yourself or that you've got some little surprise up your sleeve. This game, to me, I think the climax really shines in a cinematic way that you don't see in very many other games because it really leads to something that's big, epic, surprising at the end. And there's going to be some big moves for sure. The game is going to end because of some big moves that happen out there on the board. Sometimes there's some surprises. Somebody makes the big moves they think is going to end the game, doesn't quite do it. This game also has a great conclusion, which I'm not going to talk about this week because you can be surprised sometimes by even though you thought you had control, things things shift a little bit. Chris is shaking his head on this one. But you can't deny that the climax here is massive. There are going to be some big, exciting moments right towards the end of the game. 
I will agree that the climax of this game is big and there's some really exciting things happening. I'm going to have to disagree with you on the conclusion where you take all those big, exciting, climactic activities and see how many dollars that is. <laughs> how just how like many that. dollars do I get for that big climactic action? Chris just doesn't <laughs> like that he just he goes all in at the end and thinks he's going to win because he pushes the most force around the board. But that's the great thing about the conclusion is that it might not be the force that wins you the game. But yeah, that but, makes it the bad thing. <laughs> Tim, I'm I'm thinking I'm with you on this one. The last two times I played this game, I had a lot of fun. I was right there in this one. A couple crazy combat situations. I think you were just maybe you had a few drinks too many, and you're throwing <laughs> caution the wind and coming and attacking me. And I had this faction where I could just destroy. I think I had a freak amount of the five combat cards, and you're like, oh, Adam doesn't definitely doesn't have three of those in his hand, but I did. And I kept beating you in these combats, which was fantastic. And then, then I had all the money at the end, so that made Chris really mad. That's why he doesn't like the game anymore. And then the second to last, or the last time we played, this one was exciting too. I think I was in a really good position to win, and then you did something sneaky, and you took one of my territories away, and that took away, like it was like a 10-point swing, and I think that got you the victory in that one. So I've come to appreciate this one both for its climaxes and its its rules overhead is fantastic. You can introduce this one to pretty much anybody and they can be in it, know what they're supposed to do and be competitive. So Scythe is kind of coming back up for me as a fantastic game. It, really interesting. We don't get into meta too much on the show, like our numbers, how many people are listening and stuff like that. But an interesting statistic about Scythe is that the episode that we featured Scythe on is our most listened to review episode. Hmm. You know, if we're talking about a, one that focuses huh. on a game. Now it happened to come out the day before we got the board game geek golden geek nomination mm. this uh. year so obviously picked up a lot of new ears for the first time but obviously uh, it's got a size got a lot of fans even though the game's you know six years old seven years old at this point and i feel like i just need to take that opportunity to call out the fact that there is also an outstanding family weight implementation of scythe in my little scythe also published by stonemeyer games all right, do you guys have any honorable mentions, anything that almost made the list but didn't quite cut it? Because I do. I think that you guys already captured my runners-up. I mean, and they're not even runners-up. They're ones that would have been on my list if you guys hadn't used them. I mean, Dune, Wonderlands, War. I mean, there, there's a lot of, lot of great games on your list. So I think I can leave it at that. Yeah, the one thing I'll say, there are a couple that you guys picked on your list, but the couple games that I think probably deserve some mention or there are some story-based games that have great climaxes in them and i was going to mention i would have picked cthulhu death may die except chris picked it in the first week but i think there's a such a cool climax to that game where you get to the final you know the final room and you're in there with the great old one and they got like 24 hit points and you're rolling 17 dice to see if you get hits on it and that's got such a great climax but i think a lot of these storytelling games like Arkham Horror, the living card game, that one going to get to that final battle and there's going to be huge conflicts there. Frosthaven was another one I te- was tempted to pick or Gloomhaven where you get into the final room in a scenario and you just, you know, it's just there's so much tension. It comes down to that last couple turns. Can I make it? Can I not make it? So I think there's some great games that we didn't really cover that, you know, those those kind of dungeon qualities or those storytelling games that if they're made right, they will have a great climax. But other than that, you guys picked a couple others that I just I, I think your lists were spot on. Well, the ones I wanted to call out was original Dune or even Dune a Game of Conquest and Diplomacy, where you have these moments where maybe you had the spy that's in the battle and you throw that spy out there and everybody on the other team dies and you're like, yes, woohoo. Or if you're the Benny Gesserit faction and you pick who the winner was going to be and in what round they were going to win, and then you end up being the winner. I think that's a great climax a great finish to a game i couldn't uh, go the night without calling out that game some great moments in that game and then chris i didn't surprise you didn't say maybe you said this earlier or use these games already but star realms or like shards of infinity or any of these deck building star wars a deck building game i think deck builders lend themselves to a great climax there's so many so many times in star realms where i'll be so close to crushing you down and you'll, I don't know, get you down to like one life left or something like that. Or I'll have a great hand and I'll have like 50 hit points left. And all of a sudden, Chris just destroys me with his hand of green death. And I'm all of a sudden, I was like, what just happened? I was going to take him out. And then Chris swoops in and crushes me. So some great moments in a lot of these deck building games. I was playing a game with Sarah of Shards of Infinity. 
and she is a freak genius at that game. She gets these cards where they just multiply, multiply. She got like 300 hit points one time and spent just like, I don't know, five minutes putting all these <laughs> cards out there and building up all these hit points. I was falling asleep and she just crushed me while I was passed out while she was playing every card in the freaking game. Another one I want to call it was Kimmet Blood and Sand. Gives me that sort of feel um, or the potential feel that Pax Pamir does too, where, oh shoot, Tim is in a position to win and it's Chris's turn and he's going to take a couple of these, you know, there's the the trackers, the some of the points can be taken away. So Chris's turn and he takes a couple of points from Tim. Now he's in a position, then it's Adam's turn and then I take a couple of points. With, so it goes round and round and round as you're buying these super powerful tiles. I think Kimmet Blood and Sand has the potential to feel like that and sort of ride that climax wave for I don't know, a few rounds or however you want to put it in surfer terms, you know, having a big, huge wave that's about, is it going to fall over and crush you? Or are you going to be able to escape out of there and make it over the shoulder and live to tell the story? So a lot of great games, I guess, is the moral here. And uh, those are the few of the ones that didn't make it on our list, but fun climaxes anyways. Those are great picks, Adam. And I, I love that you call out Star Realms because there are, there are turns. I think like you said, any deck builder, if you just get the right hand of card built up over the course of the game, they can just escalate. But there are hands in that game where you'll be like, okay, we're everyone's down to you know 20 points. And then somebody pulls out a hand and just keeps drawing cards and adding faction alliances and all of a yeah. sudden it's like 62 damage that happens in that last or that is a climax in a game for sure mm-hmm. yeah i i'm glad you brought those up adam because you're right those are great and i feel like in my list when i do these i kind of give short shrift to deck builders even though i truly love them so i'm i'm glad that you did all right cool well that, i think that will wrap up this episode in two weeks we'll be doing our final episode in this series about board games as stories we'll be talking about final conclusion and the best conclusions which we've mentioned a couple times tonight before we say good night though i'm going to read a review a, a listener left us on apple podcasts and uh, we've been getting a lot of great reviews lately and we're just getting to the end of them so if you like the show please rate and review us on apple podcasts wherever you listen to the show we'd love to hear what you think about the show we'd love for other people to hear it it does help people find us uh, this was left by a reviewer that had the the name need clever reviewer name so (laughs) they they picked a good one there uh five stars the title was excellent weekly show and they said very happy to have found this podcast a lot of podcasts get bogged down with off-topic banter i'm sure some people enjoy that but i don't i want to listen to some people talk about board games and this show is perfect for that every week there's a new episode i appreciate their enthusiasm for the hobby even if my tastes are very different from the hosts Thanks for making my Monday morning commute a little bit better. This is awesome to hear. First of all, glad that we're making anybody's lives a little bit better. That is so fun and exciting. Secondly, a key tenet of our show when we made this was we do not want to just talk about random crap. When I listen to board game podcasts, I want to hear about board games. I want to hear about your play of them. I want to hear how you feel about them. I want to hear about the experience you had with them. I don't want to hear about the food you ate at Eschenspiel or about what your family did this week before you get into talking about games. So I appreciate that you recognize that. I'm glad that, uh, that somebody else has the same taste on that front. Totally agreed. That was uh, I'm glad we made that choice, Tim. None of the BS. Let's just do board games. Only a little bit of BS. A little, maybe a little bit of BS. A little BS. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks for sharing your top five climaxes with me. Until next week, take care. Good night, all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.